see them but that's the problem i put them in shoe boxes and i forget about them oh i've got red glittery converse right why did i not wear those yeah i do have too many shoes but you gotta put them on display that was a the reason i got those i don't know if i told you the reason i got those is because i was having some kind of meltdown depressed panicky night one night and he he said you want your christmas present I was like that's the I guess that's the um benefit of having those little episodes sometimes <laughs> people just want to please you I got my Christmas presents early but all five of them I know I'll have to um we start midnights this week so I'll work next weekend on getting everything cleaned up you know it's weird we had our Christmas party mm-hmm. this weekend and I had worked for you know two or three, four weeks on all the crafts and the decorations and things like that to get everything set up for the Christmas party. Christmas party came. I got those presents from Bo. I got the presents from you. Mm -hmm. And everybody left after the Christmas party, and I started cleaning up, and I was like, it's almost like that Christmas after Christmas blues has hit me already Mm -hmm. because... Christmas is over. Yeah, there's not much. There's not much left because we have to work. And I mean, we'll be getting together that one morning for about an hour, Mm -hmm. which I was looking today. It'll be just like today. So you'll show up about eight. Nanny will be here. We'll have some cinnamon rolls, open a couple presents, and we'll all be in bed by 10 a.m. Yeah. (laughs) To get ready to go back to work Christmas night. Somebody's got to keep the lights on and somebody's got to be there for the sick people. Mm -hmm. But. I digress. First, I want to say um, we did get, if you're listening on a podcast, yay, we did get everything sent out to all the podcast formats, but we had some technical issues with the sound last time, and I'm pretty this sure. Is surviving on one passwords. I'm Emily. <laughs> I'm Charlotte. And we will do better at making podcasts. That's right. We're getting started. We're yeah. There was a little bit of a glitch with the last two episodes. My mic was like really quiet. I don't know if it came unplugged. If you're like an audio guru, Mm-mm. please hit me up because <laughs> I'm struggling over here. You see Garage Band running. Um, yeah. Because when we had our headphones on and we were doing it. I could we could hear everything and then it came out came out and it was just really weird and well, and good thing mom talked most I did cuz I was reading those notes but on a subject like this you know cuz you had discussed should we go back and record it again I'm like it's right. so hard to redo, to redo anything cuz there's so many points that that come up that don't necessarily come up when you're when you're not just naturally flowing in in your conversation you know so it's hard to do that so we hope that everybody gained what they could gain from that and it was finishing out the story yeah you know yeah we we really wanted to tell the story about our legal (coughs) journey um quick trigger warning before we get started for discussion of sexual abuse sexual assault and um, childhood sex abuse um so yeah we kind of left off with ending the story with our legal story which is kind of you know officially where the story ends i want to say but now we're kind of kind of going to get into the healing journey and like what it means to 
move, move on. Move on in other ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I guess some people make a podcast about it. But yep. one thing that I did not have when I started this was resources. I felt really alone, but I also felt like people who should have been there for me were maybe uneducated about mm-hmm. the situation. At what time? After you disclosed or before? So after I disclosed. Um, I, well, we can. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, there, I look back and Children's Advocacy Center is what I continue to attribute so much of me as a non-offending parent being able to um, attribute to making it through, basically. Yeah. You know, I, I knew I had to be the support, kind of try to keep things together and keep rolling on a natural plane while we still showed up for court, while we still dealt with the legal stuff. And I didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to do. We were we were lost, and they were who came in to guide me um, into this is the next step. This is what you'll have next. You know, we're going to get therapy started, and you know, we'll help with the $1,000 that you, that you got. I know it just hit me what I was thinking about earlier, and what I was thinking about earlier was the um, therapy that you and your brother gave yourselves in the form of, your dad was dumb enough to put you on a credit card as an authorized user. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are certain things that you do and you know, yeah, it's, um, I was thinking about that story last night and, and he did. And I thought, I never knew, I never went back. And this was him with a credit card in life. I mean, before he got arrested, his credit card, thousand dollar limit. I don't think it had much on it, but so deluded and I don't know, I don't know how to describe it sometimes because I can't put my mind in it, but so deluded that he wanted you as a partner, you weren't even 18, so you couldn't be, and you couldn't be a joint account holder with him. So he put you on the card as an authorized user, like that's, that's one step closer. I'm going to put her on the card as an authorized user, and here we've got this account together, and well, you know, that was dumb because you were a kid. And then you were an angry kid. Yeah. And Amazon got the reward. Yeah. And he got stuck with the bill. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, things like that, uh, helping us with not scholarships, but um, like victims, uh, funds. You know, they have funds here in the state of Tennessee that go to children who lose parents to the justice system because it's not the kid's fault. Right. You know, in, in other situations, you know, I mean, if if parents get sent to jail, typically the kids are not at fault and they're the ones that are going to suffer. So they have funds like that set up yeah. and, you know, they helped us get through that. They gave us the therapy. You know, I, I, I talk about them a lot. When it was happening, I didn't realize how supportive it was, but in the end... It's like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have known which way was up. You know, I, especially with you, you know, they gave me a lot of tips. Like the, 
I hate it in my mind. It's like a scary movie. But like one night in here, when this was your bedroom, trying to take your phone away from you because you had said something horrible or disrespectful or, you know, whatever, cussed or yelled or did something that was not supposed to be. And I was trying to punish you because I'm not good at it. And all I could think is, give me your phone. And you just freaked the fuck out. Freaked out. And I couldn't understand why. And we're yelling at each other and we're screaming at each other. And I am in here thinking, I can't lose. I have just fucked up as a parent. I need I need this win. And, and my mind and my emotions took over where I am physically trying to take the phone from you. And you are physically trying to keep it. And we're almost fighting with each other. And I leave without the phone, mad, oh, you know, I'm just a shitty parent, and I go in the bedroom and just fall to my knees and just sob, I, yeah, I, don't, I can't do this, I don't even want to wake up tomorrow, I don't know what's going on, but in taking that to therapy and taking that to them where they have seen these particular, these particular child sex abuse uh, cases, And they know real particular things like, okay, don't freak out. Your punishment, you know, might be normal in normal circumstances. But this was her lifeline. She's been, Emily, you know, I'm being told you, you, you were, you had no control over things for a long time. And that phone was your way of, it was your key to the cell. If you got locked somewhere, that phone puts you somewhere else. Don't take it away. That is her safety net. And, you know, things like that were said to me where you can't just come in and typically discipline. You just can't, you know. And and so they gave me tiny little things like that along the way that, I mean, it, it, it put us where we are now. They were experts in their field. Um, So as we've said before, kind of what we're getting into on this episode is resources. So what we've mentioned before is our really positive experience with a children's advocacy center, which are typically, they're going to be in your city or in your county. There'll be a children's advocacy center that are, that's assigned to most like violent crimes that children experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were, they were just, experts um and so they were just a really great resource again honestly that kind of they were so understanding and they knew what was going on they knew what was going on before I did they Mm -hmm. you know they explained you know you're gonna feel this way and you're going through this and it's like oh my god like nobody's ever related to this before um like I got a letter from CAC this week, and it has a quote in it that I want to read. The reason I wanted to go, I'm sorry we're back, um, was because you said they know, they're very specific, right? And this quote came from, it comes from the forensic interviewer. Mm -hmm. And it said, there was no way this girl was coming with me into the interview room. She was shut down from the minute she walked in, hunched over, arms crossed, and covering her body and not looking up. She let her hair hang over her face and barely spoke above a whisper. I was inclined to think she'd not tell me a thing. Kids tell in their own time. 
sometimes years later, and this one was nowhere near close to ready to tell. She followed me back through the hunk followed me back through and hunkered down in a big chair. I asked her about her family and school, knocking on various doors of a rapport to see if I could find one she'd open for me. Slowly she did, opening up a little bit about this and then a little more about that. After well over an hour of talking, she told me everything her stepdad had done to her. But she was like a new kid when she left, with her hair brushed back off her face. She thanked me and said, I feel lighter. I felt a heavy weight for a while after that one, but it was absolutely worth it. She was just a young girl, and she needed help carrying a very heavy, very ugly burden. Looking back, it was an honor to help her carry it for a while. And that's where... A lot of people don't know how to get a child to open up. Mm-hmm. And, and they're experts. They're experts in that field. And I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, you're what was that um was what was that letter? Oh, it was for fundraising. Okay. Um we're asking you to lift that weight in our community. It may be hard to believe, but last year the children's advocacy center served eight hundred and eighty seven individual children and that's just in our county Mm -hmm. 887 children and over 5,000 adults which parents parents, grandparents grandparents, mm -hmm. um, and were trained through our prevention education programs creating a safer more informed community Mm -hmm. and it's the support provides invaluable help of victims of child abuse you know it and that's what it is but that's a that's a very, you know, some people might get things like that and think, oh, you know, they don't think much about it. But me putting you as that little girl, mm-hmm. that forensic interviewer means a lot to me, Yeah, which means that anything I can give, I will always give. They're very particular with, very particular with um, volunteers they have things for volunteers to do, but you can't just walk into a children's advocacy center yeah, and volunteer. It's, and it's a very safe, you know, space to be in. Mm-hmm. So, having the children's advocacy center was a great resource, and as I was kind of learning about what it meant to be a sub. A victim, a survivor of child abuse, um, I was realizing the flaws in how other people around me saw it. Hmm. So the first thing that I noticed is, you know, you go to tell somebody and you expect this very expert response of, you know, it's not your fault or, you know, this wasn't your burden to carry, anything like that. Um, the first type of response I got were just people who wanted to dig deeper, um, which was not what I was trying to do because I had already been in and out of forensic interviews and trials and all kinds of telling my story in ways that I wasn't ready to relive. And so I can remember a specific example where I went to a teacher and it was a teacher that I'd had for a long time. and. I went to her and told her, hey, my dad got arrested last night. Um, he was arrested for rape, like, and, and you know, I was, I was the victim. And she cried. 
And that was super awkward first mm-hmm. because here I am like comforting her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, she wanted to know more like, how did this happen? When was this going on? Da, 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 da. But my point of telling her was so that I had an advocate in my own high school who understood when I needed to walk away or take breaks or just be, mm-hmm. you know, just for someone to understand what was going on at home. I wanted so badly for someone at my high school to understand that I had just made this huge, like life changing shift. And I want, and I was scared to come back to school after all this had happened at home. Um, you never know how people are going to react. Right. Yeah. Do you have a story about that? Well, I did. I mean, you yeah, said the words that, that put it in my head. I wanted the same thing. We're dealing with a <clears throat> the same story, but two different paths that you and I have to walk on. And at work, I told one person, a supervisor who's no longer there anymore, but he he did better because he didn't ask any questions he listened to me and he went to the other supervisors like he was up here and Mm -hmm. the five direct supervisors are right here and and said i'm not going to say anything to you about why but if charlotte comes to you and says i need to go she needs to go you don't ask questions you get the, you make sure where minimum shift is covered and you let her go because there are times with Alex getting the calls from the school, you need to come. Mm-hmm. You calling me, it, all it took was you saying, I just had a nightmare if I was on midnights and I would go to them and say, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. I, I got to go home because I wanted to be there for you. But I see where you're coming from, where you got someone you had to comfort because they didn't know how to react and I got someone who did what I needed him to do say don't ask any questions if she needs to go she needs to go right you know and that's a that's a major thing that that CAC provided they know how to react Mm -hmm. even if you don't think at the time that it's what you need they know that this is what you need you know it's it's as simple as a cup of tea when I was sitting out in the hallway one day waiting for you, wasn't my appointment, wasn't a day that I was going to see anybody. And, you know, I'm just staring off into space. And maybe there were tears in my eyes. I don't know. But one of the ladies passed by me, said hi. You know, they're always very nice. And then came back with a cup of hot tea. You know, and, and like then I just lost my shit and started crying and talking to her. She Mm -hmm. sat down on the bench and started talking to me. They know you're, you're a mom. First of all, if you're a parent who has your child here, you care enough to have them here because there are so many that don't. Right. And that's still unfathomable to me, but there are so many that don't. So, if they get the parent in there and the child in there, they want to keep them. Mm-hmm. They want them there so that they can get the help they need. Right. So that's, you know, they were 
my biggest resource. But like you said, when you're going through it, it's like, why are you telling me this? You kind of question it. When I went in and asked for a group, you know, can you please suggest a a group? Is there a um, non-offending parents group so we can all sit around and commiserate and I did this and I did that. And oh, here, let me tell you, here's how we did it so that I can feel so not alone. There's no group like that. Sorry, we can't. There's there's just not a group like that. So they, you know, they were there to be that group Mm -hmm. for me anyway. And, you know, that went all the way up to as far as the resources. You remember going to yoga? Yeah. They they referred us to a yoga class that was specifically for survivors of sexual abuse. Right. You know, whatever poses, whatever music they used, it was designed towards that group. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's very specific resources out there for people and you know you may not even know you need but they know you need it because they've been there hundreds of times 887 times so far Mm -hmm. this year in our county right so they know um another interesting thing that i ran into in college was a um I guess you would call it like an art project called the clothesline project. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was just something I happened to stumble on. Um, I saw these shirts hanging in this room and you walk in, all these shirts have writing on them. And so based on whatever kind of violence you experienced as a child correlated to that shirt color, and then you would kind of write anything you wanted or draw anything you wanted and um I caught them right before you know they were closing up for the day and I was like I want to write one I want to make a shirt and I put it up there and she took my picture next to it and that shirt like travels with their art show for like other people they set up a gallery of like all the shirts um to look at and I was just super happy to get that out there so there's you know, so many things that you can find that just happen to be a part of your healing process where you're like, I really am not alone. There were so many people. I remember going through and reading those shirts. There were so many people who I was like, I fucking understand. Like, you know, I I understand. And if I remember correctly, I don't think you had, I think it was very early in your college, and I don't think you had let anyone know. I don't think you had really told your story if I remember the story correctly, and I can imagine being you away from home, no one around me knows what's happened. I'm kind of keeping it a secret and walking in on a hall of shirts, yeah. the clothesline project, starting to read them and then asking about it and then understanding that every shirt in here is someone who has suffered some sort of abuse mm-hmm. and they have taken some liberty with the shirt some freedoms, some fuck yous, some I'm better than yous, whatever they wrote with the paint markers or the pens, and they were hanging up, and I can imagine you reading them thinking, holy shit, you know, I'm not alone. But your shirt might have 
you were smiling so big when you sent me the picture of that shirt. And when I read what you wrote, that was therapy for me. I mean, I still have a picture of it in my phone. And then the next year, when your college came up on my Facebook feed and the Clothesline Project had made its way around the country and was back in your school, your picture and shirt was the one that was on the, you know, cover photo for Clothesline Project. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's so, it's nice to know that something you said for your own healing on a piece of clothing that some other little girl might see would help her because the one thing you wrote in red was, you can't take away the day I told my mom. So all the other was black or blue writing. And that one line where you were going down and listing things, I'll look for it in a minute. The red line said, you can't take away the day I told my mom. And so every girl that read that from the point you hung it up on that clothesline to now knows that that was a very special time when you told someone. Right. And could encourage them to tell someone too. <clears throat> Let's see if I can find it. Um, Clothesline Project. Look it up. Look it up. If it's in your town, if it's near your town, just go see it. It's yeah. it's very emotional. Another thing uh, to mention while we're talking about resources while she pulls this picture up is get a therapist. Yeah. You know... You, I don't even have to tell you guys. You really need a therapist, and I know that it can be hard to open up to a stranger, and I know that it can be time-consuming to find a good therapist and somebody you really connect with, but it is worth it, and it does create a safe outlet and a good outside perspective for what's going on um, in your life, as well as Um, You know, I I worked with a child therapist that specialized in childhood sexual abuse. So, you know, she really knew what route we were going to take through this process. And, you know, find yourself an expert. And that's another. As well. You know, that's what they study. That's what they do. They understand how this affects you psychologically, even when you don't. And, you know, I see a lot of people. I, I know a couple people who have been sexually abused but don't want to reveal that abuse and their reasoning behind it is because it's they say that they that it doesn't affect them. And I used to feel the same way. Like it doesn't affect me, but I never really understood the true depths depth of like the effect it had on my psyche until I started going to therapy and really picking apart things that I would do, especially to sabotage other relationships with other human beings, um, that I was totally okay with overlooking and living my life like that without making improvements that have just made my life so much better now that I'm aware of those bad habits I developed from being a child who was abused. And you, excuse me, you learned that through them. They told us that. I find that interesting. They told us that before you 
you may not even know it. They said, here's what she's going to do. She's going to push you away. She's going to test you. She could be uh, on the promiscuous end with uh, men just to say, see, they are all scum. Mm -hmm. Like to prove it like a, you know, it's the, but they told us that was going to happen. You know, what you were doing before they even, because they know. Yeah. Let's see. I'm going to find it. You reminded me of it. You okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's there's um, what I was going to say earlier when you were asking about um, telling people, find resources, find a therapist. Mm-hmm. That is also another reason we are here and I'm excited to make this podcast because I had the benefit of you disclosing, Mm -hmm. you disclosing and me calling the police got our first referral. But if you don't disclose, if you're not ready to disclose, you don't have someone telling you here is this and here is this. We're here to tell you that if you're not ready, we can help find a therapist. If, if you don't know if it's an overwhelming task, just to think, you know, where can I find one? Mm-hmm. We have, you know, places that we can direct you to. Yeah. And that's a, that's why we want to be a resource for people who just may be out there listening. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, another thing that I would like to get into in the realm of resources, um, was that not most people won't understand. But when you find a person who does, a therapist, a trusted friend, a family member, um, any sort of professional that you can talk to Um, who does understand, um, you know, keep them close. Like, absolutely. Because the isolation of the situation can feel really deafening. But, you know, you'll find people who do understand who you really aren't alone. Um, Going back to, like, my last year of high school, you know, I, uh, just wanted like someone to understand and to kind of advocate for when hell I, you know, I just needed to have an emotional breakdown to like keep the other kids away from me for making fun of me, you know, things like that. And I tried to tell another teacher about what was going on and they, reported me to the school guidance counselor after I told them. And then I remember the guidance counselor came and found me and was like, you know, your teacher told me what you told them. Like, you know, I'm here to talk to you. And I like started crying and she was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I don't know. Cause I just needed like, want my teachers to understand what was going on. You know, I don't need a therapist. I have a therapist. Like, thank you, guidance counselor. 
but like, I don't know, just, and so I remember getting really disappointed when I would tell people because I expected the feeling, you know, people to say, it's not your fault or, you know, you did nothing wrong. Um, especially when you tell like friends and family, you know, it, it can be unfortunate, but you know, there were certain people I tell where it's like, you know, they don't quite understand that you're still a victim if you're underage. It doesn't matter, you know, if I didn't physically fight him away, you know, that just, or, or that it's my fault or what were you wearing? Or, you know, we start going down those lines of thought and you realize that you're with people, you're like, well, you really don't understand what I went through if you can't even picture how this could come together, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's not anyone's fault. You know, there, when you hear news like this, not everyone's equipped to handle it. That's what the resources are for to help you out. You know, I don't know. I didn't know what to do. And I'm sure I screwed up. I know I screwed up many times, but they were there to pull me back and say, "Eh, you shouldn't do that. Or you shouldn't say that, or let's avoid that, or let's work on that. And, Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so important. I found the picture from your clothesline project and we can even include it if you want, but, um, I'm going to read it because your shirt says I am stronger than him. He can't control me. He can't cry to me. He can't tell me what to drink. He can't disagree with me. Oh, he can't get disagree with the judge. He can't threaten to disown me. Mm-hmm. He can't touch me. He can't tell me what to wear. He doesn't scare me anymore. He can't take away the day I told my mom. He can't, he can, oh, he can't tell me, he can't help it. He can help it. He can't make me sleep in the bed anymore. Looking like my mom is not an excuse. 19 years old, 12 years old, 16, 9 years old, sorry, 12 years old, 16 years old. It's not my fault and never will be. And that shirt has been seen by thousands of girls that that could have helped. There's so, there's so many resources. Everyone needs a therapist, <laughs> not just someone who's been abused or everyone needs a therapist, I believe. But, you know, you found one at college, too. So, um, let's see. Other resources that I used were um, actually self-help books. Like, I was big into self-help books before I ever um, started on this healing journey. But... You know, I was super excited. One of my therapists, my therapist from college recommended The Courage to Heal um, by Elaine Bass. It's, it's a really good just walk through of kind of what you're going to experience and that, 
you know, healing is not a linear journey. Healing is circular. You're going to wrap back around to things and that doesn't mean you're failing and that doesn't mean you're not healing. Um, I think that was really important for me to let go of how I thought this was supposed to go. You don't have to heal if you don't tell anybody. Um, but it's like now that I turned my dad in, like time to Mm-hmm. Make make gains, you know. Make some results. Let's get better. All done, you know. And it's just not like that. And don't let that discourage you or feel like you did something wrong because you have now started this healing journey that feels like more trouble than it's worth. Because at the end of the day, every day you wake up, you're getting better and you're healing and you're learning about yourself and you're learning how to overcome and you're learning how strong you are and you're learning how resilient you are every day. You're talking about, uh, it, you feel why do this because it hurts more than it, more than you think it's helping. That's Mm -hmm. what they told us in the beginning. Your therapy, your time is going to include going down because they would have to teach you why everything he had taught you was wrong Mm -hmm. because you had been conditioned for so many years to try to get you in the mindset Mm -hmm. of everything's okay they told us she's going to go down before she comes back up because we have to start by telling her why what he's been telling her for years is wrong right and and so she's going to be low before she gets back up so you went even lower and that's when you kind of want to put your arms in the air and say why did I even do this at all yeah why did I tell anybody because this sucks Mm -hmm. this this still hurts you know where's the magic wand yeah and so I think part of what we want to do with this podcast is of course like make people around you resources educate people that childhood sex abuse is more psychological than physical educate people that um you know, sex crimes can happen to any, any race, any gender, any age, um, by any race, any gender, any age, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so, um, educate, there's um, too many people around you that family isn't just family, you know, like you don't have to sit there and take it. Um, educate people that there are resources, like spread the word that you don't have to sit there and take it anymore. I was listening to a really interesting podcast, um, uh, Someplace Underneath with Natalie Jean um, on the last podcast network. And in her latest episode, she was talking about how this was like in the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, the 60s, the 70s, girls would be forced to have hysterectomies if they found out that their father or someone in their family was sexually abusing them instead of, you know, taking care of the abuser. It was like, well, she better have a hysterectomy so she doesn't get pregnant. Yeah, that's you know, ridiculous. It, it, it's it, it has been accepted for so long, and we break this by talking about it. We break this by saying. It's not okay. It isn't just one of those things that isn't just your weird uncle. Like, it's... But it is, too. It's not. Um, No, 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 not just. I'm saying that's included in this. Right. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, because those are things that 
probably get underreported more than anything our family because oh, the majority of all. nobody wants to say you know and and then you feel like you did something wrong i mean i remember being taken to a bible uh study group mm-hmm. having having to tag along with mom and dad and getting sent upstairs with all the kids and there was an older kid upstairs who you know, in my memory, was probably somebody who's old enough to know better, wanting to wanting to see between my legs or wanting to touch between my legs. And all I thought was, I just want to get out of here because I feel super uncomfortable, but there's no way I can tell anybody downstairs. Mm-hmm. Or if you tell somebody downstairs, they're like, ah, boys will be boys. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. you got out of there. Are you hurt? Are you bleeding? Well, let's go. Because yeah. that's just kind of the way... It was. We were dealt with back then, so you just didn't say anything. You know, I I mean, it happened a lot. Mm-hmm. And and that's just weird. You know, you've it's it's one thing when you've got a 10-year-old and a 8-year-old and and they're curious and that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But when it's someone old enough to know better, yeah. You know, it's that's a totally different thing and it shouldn't be swept under the rug mm-hmm. like we'll just deal with this ourselves because that's what gets you in places that you're in because that's what happened with the history of yours if they had dealt with what they had when they knew what was going on in their family mm-hmm. and swept under the rug it might not have happened to you or anyone else of course, else. you know if you know anything about abuse you know psych the cycle of abuse, generational abuse, a lot of times children who are abused become abusers in their adult life. And that's kind of exactly what happened with my father mm-hmm. is that he was abused as a child. And then you never get help. You never get therapy. You never break this cycle. You learn it's okay. You grow up. You keep on doing it. This is why it's so important to break in there and to get help. You have to see why this isn't okay. You cannot spread this to your kids. You have to know. And I mean, he if you can trust what he said was true, he said he told and he got in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just, I'm not trying to excuse him or what he did. No, but if if what he's saying is true, they screwed up. You yeah. know, not only did they not do anything about it, but he got in trouble from what he said. Right. So, you know, you're just perpetuating it. It's a cycle. You know, that's something that's entered Alex's head, your brother, from, from the beginning. You know, just be, because he is, does that mean I'm going to? No. No. We broke this cycle. You are but not. I saw myself kind of following. My dad was very angry. And so I, a lot of times, mimic that pattern of anger and, like, I guess um, you just you just absorb it really quick. It just becomes a part of the only way that you've dealt with anything because that's the only way you've seen adults in your life deal with anything. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's so that's what kids are supposed to do. They're sponges. They suck up all this information about how to deal with the world and how I dealt with the world. You know, was screaming at people I loved and. And just being a terrible person and 
I had to come out of that if I was going to enjoy my life, you know? But you had to be helped out of that. Right. You had to understand why it was wrong before you could try to heal. Because I thought I was fine, just the way it was, just the way it all was. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was fine. If It could only get worse. When By telling. There was such a capacity for it to get so much better than I ever imagined. Mm-hmm. I live a life that, like, I just, little me, like, would have died for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've got a boyfriend who loves me so, so dearly. Mm-hmm. Truly loves me. Not manipulates me to get what he wants. Just truly loves me for what I want. I believed that if I walked out the door and said, I need to go to Alaska and I don't want you there and I need it right now, he would go, okay, because he loves me. Mm-hmm. Even if that means he's not in the picture. You know, and that's a true selfless love. Not a manipulation. Not... Coercion. Co- mm-hmm. <laughs> Coercion. Coercion. Um, or something in, in spec- expected in return. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's just true. And, and so my, you know, because especially as a female with a dad, you know, you kind of, I am in a heterosexual relationship, so I kind of mimic. You mimic those relationships. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, that's, that's very common. And so, you know, to be in a place where I truly am in a healthy relationship is just something that I think I would have I would have flipped for. Mm-hmm. You know, or not known because you you were trying, attempting to be taught that other things were normal. So then you look at this and it's out of the norm. It's a dream world. Something that every every little girl, every little boy who is allowed to dream about what they think is is normal or what they think they will strive to and that that is in their reality, that is in their goal, but it wasn't in your goal. It was like a fantasy to you yeah. to be where you are now. Yeah. I you know, I knew you would be. I knew you would be, but I knew you too. You just had to. Wow, we had to come out of it. Yeah. But um, so that is our episode, kind of about our resources mm-hmm. and the resources we use: Children's Advocacy Center, clubs, yoga, journaling, books, oh, therapists, gosh. and more therapists. Um, clothesline project start projects like that starting projects like that help too as far as resources start a podcast yeah the entire world what happened between you and your dad i mean you know float your boat you know whatever helps you get through this that's the important part and Mm -hmm. and if one person hears this and is like i do deserve a better life like i deserve to go ahead and tell somebody, no mm-hmm. matter how hard it might seem up front, um, you're worthy of that. You're worthy of this like beautiful life that lays on the other side. Because in and, that and it's and I'm not a person who likes to look around at their life and think it could be better. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I hate I hate to you know I love to look around and just appreciate everything the way it is, um, but you don't have to take it. 
There's a line, you know. And you yeah. soon find out if you're hiding something, you're spending so much stress trying to keep it hidden. You told me that. Well, Rebecca told me that. The therapist told me that. You don't don't you don't get to feel guilty, Mom, uh, because she went to painstaking efforts to keep you from finding out. So the person who's trying to hide it, who's not disclosing it, you're you're suffering other stress on top of the stress of the things that are going on because trying to hide it, yeah, that's like trying to keep exhausting. a secret. Yeah. It's exhausting. So eventually, you know, you just, it, it takes so much weight off of you to, to disclose it or to stop hiding. It takes so much weight off of it. Well, I think we're about to wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at survivingonwineandcusswords at gmail.com. That's all right. Thank um, you for the love. podcast up on all podcast platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon, mm-hmm. anything you can look a podcast up in. We are there, uh, surviving on wine and cuss words. Um, please leave a comment. Please leave a like. We love to see that you guys are watching this and actually enjoying it and engaging with it. And I hope, we hope to do some palate cleanser episodes. Mm -hmm. So I know that it can feel a little exhausting. Maybe, you know, it's not like a fun Friday watch, you know what I mean? But maybe if we like played some games, you got Mm -hmm. to know us a little more outside of, that tragedy yes well um, yeah we could kind of make some palate cleanser um videos for you guys to still enjoy us still enjoy the podcast but maybe not get into heavy topics all the time Mm-hmm. i thought you know we're going to get into this christmas season and talk about how things affect you around the holidays but it would be nice to it would be nice to have a little step away from it just me and you just kind of talk about us because we are not defined by that you are not defined by that yeah and something i really i care about talking about (laughs) yeah i mean but it doesn't define you right and that's that's something that i think people are scared of sometimes telling it that that's going to be all people see when they see them well and that's not true as always, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your day. I'm going to go home and go to bed. I'm going to take a nap. We're both going to go into midnight tonight. Yes. Midnight okay. shift. So All right, guys. we will see you next week. Or Bye. you'll hear from us next week. Bye. Bye.